Blog Talk Radio. To Local Selections Podcast with your host, the voice of $10 Wrestling, noted author that has never been published, and the heaviest CWA light heavyweight champion in history, the king of all wrestling media, Gene Jackson, and his co-host, the star of Taylor TV, the man who has wrestled Jerry Lawler 1,239 times and never won, Neil the Real Deal Taylor. You're listening to Locals to Legends Wrestling Radio, brought to you by Rockstar Records, 810 East Main Street, Tupelo, Mississippi, 662-269-3745. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to Locals to Legends Wrestling Radio. I'm your host, the king of all wrestling media, Gene Jackson, and as always, I am joined by none other than my co-host, my tag team partner, the man himself, Neil, the real deal, Taylor. Neil, we had a little technical difficulty, and our, our rock star ad didn't automatically play at the beginning like it usually does, so there was a, a little lull there for a few seconds, if you noticed that. <laughs> well, it's um, uh, never happened to us before. We've never had technical issues on this show, so, uh, you know, there's a first time for everything. No kidding. I mean, so we're doing this show tonight because of uh, last week was entirely a, a technical issue all the way around. <laughs> we couldn't even do the show. I don't know I feel like was, we haven't done this in a month. Some, I know. I don't know that if that was so much a technical issue or just uh, uh, active nature. <laughs> you, uh, it you and definitely Rosie was. Storm, okay? <laughs> we did. I mean, it was uh, about. Saturday night, I guess you'd technically say Sunday morning, about 2.30 in the morning, um, a, a heavy storm, which it sounded like a tornado when it come through, uh, rolled through here and knocked down a huge tree in the neighbor's yard that completely took out the power lines. And we were without power from that moment at 2.30 a.m. Sunday morning until about middle of the day on Tuesday, I think it was. So, wow. and um, I guess it was, I guess it was Monday. Yeah. Monday seemed like Tuesday. I don't, it was a long damn time. We had, we went and got a hotel room um, <laughs> and, and sat in a hotel and ended up recording uh, our other podcast that me and Rosie do on our, our phone out of, out of boredom. But uh, yeah, I mean, we didn't have any damage to the house or anything other than we, you know, we lost everything in our fridge and, and all that good stuff. But, you know, it happens. It could have been a lot worse, and there were some people around here that did get it a lot worse. So I'm not going to complain, but it did push the show back a week. And like I said, you know, as I was prepping for this tonight, I was like, damn, it feels like we haven't done this in a month. It's just been an extra week. But uh, how you been? How, how have things been going for you in these couple of weeks since we last spoke? 
man, it's been uh, it's been really good. Been uh, been busy uh, working on, uh, of course, working a few wrestling shows, uh, working on some more uh, con- concert projects. It's coming up uh, this uh, end of the summer, fall. So um, cool. it's uh, it's been uh, it's been a uh, it's been, I've, I've been keeping busy. Definitely, uh, you was talking about the power being off over in Alabama. It was kind of weird here. The like Wednesday before that, um, and, and this wasn't like due to bad weather or anything. The uh, entire city of Cupolo went on like a massive power outage. Uh, come to find out, there was some. It was like a. I think they said a cat had caught, climbed up in one of the main transformers. Uh, that oh comes from TVA into the city. <laughs> comes from TVA into the city, and uh, shorted it out or did something. And yeah, like Tupelo was without power for like 24 hours. And uh, yeah, <laughs> sitting here in the dark myself. <laughs> I'm for, sure it made the Christmas vacation cat look look like nothing. Oh my God! <laughs> Let me tell you what happened. Imagine. The uh, course, of course, the news. You know, WTVA, the local news here, was all over it, and they were. Uh, they finally posted on Facebook about it was a cat that climbed in the thing or whatever. Well, underneath that, I posted that there's a picture online. It's got uh, Clark and uh, and Cousin Eddie standing over that <laughs> burnout cat. <laughs> and it says under the bottom of it, it says, if that cat had nine lives, she, she just shot them all. And I posted that on the WTVA. <laughs> That's awesome. Got like a hundred, got like a hundred seventy something likes off all the comment. <laughs> perfect. Oh my god, that's I call, perfect. I, I checked it a day or two later, and they had taken it down. So I guess it offended somebody. I don't know, but anyway, oh, I thought it was God. Fun. Yes. <laughs> Everybody's so sensitive, you know. Jesus. Anyway, we're, that could spear off into a whole another podcast. I'm not even going to mention what that what I liking that too but anyway uh real quickly before we get to our guests you talk about concerts you know here in coleman you know you've been to coleman before it's not a large town uh by any stretch of the imagination uh but here about four or five years ago when the tornadoes came through uh they did a benefit uh benefit concert here called rock the south and they've continued to do it now that they've pretty much taken care of all that Dude, there was over like 50,000 people at this concert Friday and Saturday, and I called bullshit on that. I was like, there's no way that 50,000 people are, are in Coleman right now, and uh, they showed like overhead shots where they did like a couple of flyovers, and it was unreal. I mean, I drive past that park every day, and I wouldn't have thought that you could cram that many people in there, but there was people that came from like 40 different states and a couple from out of the country and just crazy to come down here and this year i mean in the past there's been some really huge names this year like i think like the biggest name was like luke bryan uh and then that that cody jinx that me and rosie like so well but he's not that well known and uh who's the guy sam hunt uh was there the second night and i guess he's big have you heard his brother mike uh no i haven't i haven't heard him (laughs) you haven't heard mike sam hunt's brother mike yeah that's a that's a hairy character right there. <laughs> I got so many people that at work. Good lord! I mean, they would just blurt it out. And I've never heard of my cunt. Oh God, you son of a bitch! But anyway, <laughs> anyway, let's go ahead and uh, 
get get to what we came for this week as we welcome tonight's guest, uh, IWA Deep South promoter, uh, the man who is either famous or infamous, depending on who you ask, for bringing deathmatch wrestling to the South. The one and only Kevin Brandon. Kevin, are you there? Uh, yeah, I'm here, Gene. How you doing, man? Doing good, Kevin. Uh, you know, you're very familiar with me, but also have my co-host here, a, a friend of mine that I know I've mentioned to you numerous times, Neil the Real Deal Taylor is on the line, so I'll give you a chance to get acquainted with Neil. Oh, okay, how you doing, Neil? Man, I'm good, Kevin. How are you tonight? Uh, doing pretty good. Awesome. That's good. Yeah, doing pretty good, man. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm on told Neil. Right on oh, really? Now, so. Yeah, doing Jesus real good. Oh, I know we were interrupting your vacation. Lucky. Yeah, you. yeah, we, yeah, we down in Panama City. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll yeah. try not to keep you too terribly long. Uh, but let's talk about some things here. You, you know, you are essentially me and you are about the same age and kind of grew up on the same same wrestling, you know, Continental and the old school Four Horsemen era NWA and old school WWF and, and things of that nature. But you have become, like I say, either famous or infamous, depending on who you ask, for bringing initially uh, deathmatch wrestling to the South. And, and you know, for a lot of detail into that, there's a great uh, documentary available at highspots.com, 10 Years of Carnage, which really delves into that. And we won't get into a whole lot of the details of that because if people want to know about that, they can they can check out that documentary. But here in recent years, um, you have, have delved into another uh, form of wrestling that wasn't really well-known in the South, at least not intentionally, and that's comedy wrestling. And... You know, there's a lot of shows that have gone on in Alabama and plus even over in Mississippi where Neil's from um, that are, I guess, unintentionally, you know, comedy wrestling. And then we've used a lot of those guys and and sometimes they're not aware of it. But tell me a little bit of of how you go from being an old school fan growing up on what you grew up on, what moved you towards uh, deathmatch wrestling. And then as we kind of discuss that, we'll kind of talk about how you – how you moved into comedy wrestling later on. Okay, yeah. Like you said, uh, briefly, um, I grew up on the old NWA and then the uh, WWF. And so, I well, actually, more, I mean, more WWF when I was real young. And it was uh, the NWA a little bit later, probably early teens. Uh, but, uh, you know, I was a big Hulk Hogan fan. You know, uh, like uh, Hulk Hogan and uh, Demolition, Jake Snake Roberts, you know, uh, trying to think, you know, some other Superfly Snook and Bushwhacker, with Bushwhackers, you know, Powers of Pain, you know, back during that time. And uh, so, yeah, pretty much, I guess, just like you grew up with that same uh, experience, and uh, which I don't know how you, you might have watched more NWA and. Continental, I, I watched some of that, but it was late. It was a little bit later on, and so I was right. more more into WWF, and so uh, pretty much just was WWF fan, NWA fan. You know, early in my uh, teens, I mean, when I was a real small child, I was all WWF. Then, I like I said, early teens, I got into NWA. You know. And then I was right, probably right on the tail end of Continental, 
and Continental went down. Um, watched Smoky Mountain. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed Smoky Mountain wrestling. Um, and uh, so that was about the what early nineties. And then I guess yeah. it was about, I guess probably ninety seven. We uh, I, I discovered ECW, but at the time. Uh, ECW had been out a few years, but I, I'm wanting to say, I'm wanting to say it was '97 when I when I first discovered them. Um, I think it was it was like real late, I'm at one or two a.m. on a Saturday night, and I was just flipping through the channels and I found that uh, I think it was primetime Brian Lee giving uh, Tommy Dreamer a choke slam off the Eagles Nest through like five tables. And that was like yeah. uh, that. That particular bump was was I think the first thing I saw that I can remember. And it was around, like I said, sometime '90s because it was it was leading up to the barely legal pay per view, the the first uh, ECW pay per view barely legal. And so it mm-hmm. was like early early '97 when I discovered ECW and so I instantly fell in love with hardcore wrestling. That that was my first exposure to hardcore wrestling and I think like from hell I watched every fucking ECW pay per view. I watched it late night and then they later on they got on T N I went to I went to as many live ECW events as I could. Uh, I didn't go to near as many as I would have liked to have, you know, seeing that, you know, I didn't, I didn't have the luxury of watching them long, me from 97 to early 01. So, you know, that's not that many years. And so if if, every time they come remotely close, I wanted to watch it. I just fucking loved the violence because before I was a wrestling fan or probably, well, around the same time I got into wrestling, from the earliest age, I remember I was in the horror movies because Mama brought me up. You know, hell, Mama and her friends, they, you know, went to the damn movie store on Friday, Saturday night, you know, rented, you know, Last right. House on the Left, fucking, you know, all, you know, he knows you're alone. I mean, old school, like, you know, late 70, early 80s horror movies. And so I guess being exposed to violent and extreme movies early on as a child probably also i was real big into the faces of death movies when i was real young and so i would say that had an influence on on me liking the death matches later on the hardcore and then the death matches because i guess you grow up and you're exposed to that stuff you know that kind of extreme graphic violence and crazy stuff then that influences you later on in life. And so, hell, by the time I found ECW, I was already into the blood and guts, just in the movie yeah. realm. And so when I found that, hell, I was I was instantly hooked. And then I think not long after I found ECW, I, I discovered FMW in Japan, IWA Japan. And about two years later, in 99, CZW started uh, XPW out in LA in California. They started up in '99, and then that's when the fucking Deathmatch style come to America about '99. I think Ian Rotten might have actually brought it uh, earlier. I think he actually 
he had the first death match tournament in the United States was in 97. Matter of fact, I believe it was Halloween night, 97, was uh, the first king of the death. But now, that was before I'd ever known anything about IWA. The first actual death match tournament that I watched that was an American death match tournament was XPW's Baptized in Blood, which was actually in 99. Um, and because it was, see, 99, it was 2002 before CZW had the first tournament of death. So, I mean, by the time they had had that, hell, I've done been start, I've done been watching death matches since 99. So that, that was the first time I started watching death matches by 99. Um, All right. And then, uh, in 2001, I had my first experience doing a show. Matter of fact, uh, I don't know if I said this in any of the earlier interviews I've done or not, but uh, my first experience running the show was actually with Dan Myers, or uh, people might know him, Mad Dog Dan Sawyer. Uh, and that was back when GCW was still kind of young. And back then, Dan would get guys, I guess he'd get like people to come in and help him, you know, co-sponsor events and stuff. And so uh, this was April, I think it was April 14th, 2001. That was the, that was the date. It was Global Warfare. It was the first Global Warfare. I think he's done like, uh, fuck, I don't know how many he's done now, nine or ten, something like that, maybe more than that. And so that was the actual first Global Warfare, it was me and Dan. We, we split the show down the middle, the, the budget. And he ended mm-hmm. up fucking me on it. He ended up fucking me on it financially. And yeah. uh, I don't know if I ever said that on. I don't think I said that on the interview. Nah, that's the first that time I've ever heard that in all of our conversations on air. That was that was that was the first show that I did. It wasn't mine. It was really Dan's. But but we went in. You know, I mean, it was kind of co-promoted. But I mean, it it was under GCW. You know. Name and yeah. that, that was it. That was the date, April fourteenth, two thousand one. And we had uh, we had Sandman on that show. You know, we had Road Dog. We had Steve Scott Armstrong. Uh, Joe Hogan was on there. Curtis Hughes was on that show. I mean, it was stacked. It was stacked. And yeah. at that time, that was a big ass show around here. Matter of fact, we yeah. ran it at Chillsburg. We ran it at Chillsburg Rec Center. That was the first. That was the first, you know, show. Well, I did that, and I had that experience with Dan. Well, then I, I you know, I took a, a break, and then I come back. See, it was November the ninth, two thousand two. That was the date. I remember good with dates. That was actually yeah. that was the first show that I ran on my own, completely on my own, with nobody else. It was under. My own promotion, everything. So November ninth, two thousand two, and that was pretty much just regular wrestling. It was pretty much. I mean, it was local shit hooks that we had booked. I mean, I mean, which later it, on, as you know, you know, I started doing that ten dollar wrestling. But hell, all the way back to the beginning, I'd always been attracted to kind of the, I guess, not intentional comedy, but. You know, the guys, they, I, I say shit hooks, they ain't, you know, the guys that go out there, you know, you know how they are, you know, they, they, they yeah, think they're the best, and they go out there, and they try, 
you know, I ain't naming no names. I ain't going to name no names. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so they was, they, you know, but that's what it was, man. I mean, by, I mean, everybody on that whole damn card except for like two were only by half train. And so, which yeah. held back in. I didn't know nothing. You know, I didn't know shit. Now I come back later and I do the shit on purpose. But uh, back then I just didn't have the contacts <laughs> I got now. And right. so anyway, we we run that show and then, hell from then, you know, uh, by, I mean, that was the end of 2002. Exactly three years later, we we found it IWA Deep South. It was October 22nd, 2005. So I run three years, you know, before I ever created IWA. I've been running three years. What was years. the show called before it was IWA? Um, when I first started November 9th, 2002, it was Alabama Pro Wrestling. That was my first promotion name. And then mm-hmm. in, let's see, in August of 2004, we changed the name to Combat Championship Wrestling. And we ran that name from August 2004 through August 2005. And in August 2005, I had contacted Ian Rotten about coming on board and, change, and uh, changing the name to IWA Deep South. So actually, so from end of 2002 to summer of 2004, we were Alabama Pro Wrestling. And then the summer of 2004, we changed name. We run one year as Combat Championship Wrestling. And then, then we uh, come on board with IWA. And it was right after my August show. I, the last show I run before I changed it to IWA was August 19th, 2005. And then October 22nd, 2005 is when we run the infamous shutdown deathmatch tournament at Chillerbird Rec. So it kind of come full circle. The very first show I ran on, well, no, the very first show with Dan, we run in Chillerbird Rec. Then we come back, right. you know, I'll come back a year later, the very first show I run on my own, Chillerbird Rec. The very last show I ran, um, and the first show was IWA, I run at Chillerbird Rec. And then we got fucking banned after that, and then, you know, we just fucking been doing them wherever we can get in, you know. And so, uh, but that's just a little brief, um, brief history. I, I didn't know, I guess you didn't know any of that. I didn't know if we had ever I, talked to you about We talked about bits and pieces of that, but not all of it. I didn't know, I didn't know your first shows with Dan and all that. Um, oh, hell yeah. yeah. Now, See, me and Dan's had heat since, I've had heat with Dan ever since 2001. I mean, he'll speak to me now, and I'll speak to him. I don't like him. I mean, supposedly now he's found Jesus and he loves Jesus, in which I, I don't want to get off on no religious kick, but I know everybody and their damn brother loves Jesus and been saved and all this. And and I can, I give you, a, a for, if I had a dime for every person that, that that I've come across like that, I'd be fucking rich, and you would too. So, yeah. I mean, well, I ain't yeah, we don't nobody, want Mike I ain't, try, I, ain't, I ain't trying to attack. I mean, I ain't attacking nobody's religion, nothing. I mean, if that's what gets you through the day, hey. But the number of fucking hypocrite people I've seen, you know, goddamn, you know, we ain't, yeah. we, we ain't got to get Yeah, that's that, a whole other podcast. Let's not, let's not <laughs> yeah, go down that rabbit hole now. And then we could, we could, we could talk about Dan, Joe Hogan, Mike. We, Joe the same way. There's some shit going down right now with some of my guys and Joe, but I, I don't even – like you said, you 
we you need to bring me back just to talk about uh, my experience with the religious people. <laughs> okay, we'll we'll have a you whole know, episode. We'll, called we can talk about Kevin that. Brandon and the Holy Rollers. You just go back and forth. <laughs> you know, I mean, you just go back and forth <laughs> off of each right. other. Yeah. What hardcore Jesus or something? We'll we'll come up with a catchy name for it when we do it. But now, uh, yeah. So so okay so we're we're not going to go through that we won't go through the whole timeline of of the different promotions and such but I guess where we want to get to is okay you you decided that you're a fan of the death matches and of course you see it getting over in IWA Mid South you know Ian has made a mint at one time or another on DVDs and people traveled from all over to to the King of the Death matches which spawned Prince of the Death matches and Queen of the Death matches and Midge of the Death matches and everything else he could spin off of it. But so did you decide, hey, I think this is something there'll be a market for in Alabama, or was it just, hey, I want to run one, and if people like it, they like it, and if they don't, we'll sell the DVDs. <laughs> yeah, the first the first thing come to mind was, you know, I was into it, you know, and it's just like some of the other shit I'm into, no pun intended, but uh, you oh, know God, how I am. yet another I fucking. Another podcast. We we need to go have to have yeah. another podcast with a with a Boris Dookie on there. But uh, yeah, well, but no, okay. in all seriousness, oh my god, though, <laughs> uh, hold on, listen. In all seriousness, though, I, you know, I was into it, and when I'm into something, when I'm into something really big, yeah, I'm really I'm willing to risk it all just to do it, you know, for my own entertainment enjoyment, at least initially, and then. I mean, it depends on how deep, you know, because, I mean, the deathmatch, man, I was real deep into, you know, before I ever run my first deathmatch tournament, I was, I mean, I was really into it. I mean, like, hardcore fucking fan. And so, uh, yeah, initially, I had spoken to Mike Burns of Smart Mark Video, and this was back summer of 05. And, hell, back then, man, DVD uh, sales, I mean, they're still decent now, and they, I mean, they can be still really good. I mean, depending on the show, but I mean, you're th- you're talking back in 2005. That's been fucking what 12 years ago. I mean, damn. I mean, it it, it was a lot better back then. I mean, it, it was way better. I mean, it, we. I mean, people was making killings back then, man. Good money on DVD buys back then, especially on deathmatch. Uh, tournaments or deathmatch shows in general and so i had had my initial conversation with mike burns and i told him you know i'd been watching these deathmatch tournaments for a number of years at that point and i'd been in contact with ian rotten and i said i got approved for the name the iwa deep south told him i wanted to do one he's never been never been a deathmatch tournament done in the south at that point, I talked to him, and I had some I had some names, some guys I wanted to bring in. I think we had Ian. It was Ian, Pondo, J.C. Bailey. Uh, hell, we talked about Homeless Jimmy. Uh, and I think most everybody else was low. No, no, no. We had going to do Tank and Iceberg. I know Tank and Iceberg were going to come in. And then everybody else was local, which, I mean, they were – they were technically, you know, Southern guys. They weren't like big names at the time. Uh, but anyway, so that, that's pretty much. But some know, of them went on to be I, in, in time. Oh, yeah. And so I told Mike, I said, this is what I want to do, man. And, 
you know, uh, he said, yeah, hell yeah. He said, right now, man, he said, we'll come down there. I can't give you, you know, exact my exact deal I had with him. But, like, back then, I mean, they'd fucking jump on a plane and fly any goddamn world. If you was doing a deathmatch term, they, they'd fucking, they'd come out. And, I mean, the, the deal was unbelievable. You know, the deal I had, I mean, when I talked to him about it and he told me, you know, we worked the deal out, I'm like, God damn, man, this is sounding good. Because, you know, I was like, to start with, I was just, you know, it was just an idea and a passion. And then I, and hell, then I got talking to some names and then I got some names booked to, and then, you know, got approved for the name, talked to Mike Burns, had a hell of a fucking deal with the video. And he was telling me, you know, some of, you know, some of the returns, you know, not, he wasn't telling me, you know, hard numbers, but he was telling yeah. me that they, you know, give me a ballpark of what, what the sales were doing for an average death match tournament. I, man, I mean, I was, I was goddamn excited. I was fucking stoked. This was my first time. It was all coming together perfectly. Went to the damn building and been do- doing shows there since 2002. So, hell, I've been doing shows for three years at Chilbert Rec Center. I went down there right. and had had hardcore and had had hardcore matches down there before and had, had, had guys get color and everything. You know, hadn't done a full-blown death match, but had done hardcore and had color and everything. So, anyway... I went and talked to the director. I told him, look, I'm doing this hardcore deathmatch tournament. And, I mean, we talked about it, and and I told him, you know, be bleeding. And I said, you know, I don't know exactly at this point what all gimmicks are going to be involved, but it will be violent and graphic and all that, and, you know. And, and the motherfucker went along with it. And I signed a damn lease and everything, and I had the building, had it locked in, October 22nd, 2005. Now, now look at this. Talk to the director. Had it all lined up. Everybody fucking booked. Come in there. First fucking match. Bam. Uh, Die Hard Dustin Lee gets a, a two inch, two two and a half inch chunk out of his damn shoulder, right out of the fucking gate. The first fucking match. Got to call the goddamn ambulance up there. He's fucking dying, which he wouldn't. He thinks he's fucking dying. Say so call the goddamn ambulance. Up there. Okay, well then oh, the guy Lord. at the front desk, the guy at the front desk, come come in the building, you know, come in the uh, the gym to get me. He said, "Hey, the director's on the phone. He wants to know what the fuck's going on." I said, "What do you mean?" He said, I "said well, uh, you know, he had to be notified when the ambulance was called down here to the wreck, and said he heard somebody got fucked up and had to go to go to the hospital." <laughs> I said, yeah, man, you remember we talked about all this shit. I said, I've had color and done all this. He said, no, 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 you ain't never had an ambulance call. He said, he said, what the fuck's going on down there? I said, no, no, we talked about this shit. He said, no, Kevin got down. I said, I heard somebody's going to the hospital. That shit, that shit can't happen. And so he said, all right, just, just don't let me get called again. Okay, so then we started. This ain't no fucking lie, dude. Okay, this was in the second match. I just hung up with the phone. I just hung up uh, the phone with him, and so because the front desk, you got the front desk out front, and then you got to go through the double doors to get into the gym. So I walked back through the fucking gym doors, and here, goddamn Marty Schiffbeier's falling off the fucking balcony <laughs> through a damn table. Okay, no shit. Two, three, three, two, three minutes maybe later. I mean, literally after I got off the phone with him. The goddamn phone oh God. rings again. Here he is again. 
And he's like, Kevin, I'm shutting you down. I'm shutting. I said, what the fuck are you talking about? He said, man, he said, I got another call. Somebody fell off the goddamn balcony. I'm shutting you down. I'm shutting you down. I said, man, man, fuck that shit, man. We got a damn lease, man. You agreed to this shit. He said, no, I didn't agree to this shit. We shutting you down. And we made it to the fifth match, and the cops came and shut the fucking show down. So, you know, that that was it, man. The motherfucker got to hell. I wanted to fight him. I wanted to fight that motherfucker. I said, I said, you better be ready to fight, motherfucker. I said, because this shit ain't getting shut down. And I mean, I read I don't know why these, two, these stories a, tickle me so much, but. But they had a damn, they had a black dude, they had a black dude, that, the guy that they kept calling was a black, it was a black guy running the front desk. And this motherfucker mm-hmm. had an attitude, man. I mean, a mo- he had a fucking attitude. He had a fucking white wife. He went to a damn uh, predominantly white church. And, 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 and But I'm just saying, he had attitude. He had yeah. attitude. I ain't yeah. saying, I mean, you know, yeah, he was black, but, but he had a fucking attitude, man. And he cocked the fucking attitude. He come in there and he got an attitude. And I said, look, I said, you better take your fucking ass away because I'm, I'm fucking mad. I said, if I can't fight you, hell, I'll find something I'll take care of you with. And that motherfucker caught the attitude, and I called him a damn, and I called him a damn nigger to his face, man. And they had Whoa, to get take it easy, police. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh lord! But I'm serious, Kevin, though, man. They had to get the police in between me and him, cause. But I was already mad. See, they were shutting the show down, and the motherfucker didn't get yeah. it. I mean, he didn't give me a hard time from the time I got there. So by the time that shit happened, and I didn't told him, man, and he kept on pushing me. He's like, he kept on. Saying what is this, man? If somebody's gonna die, and I'm like, dude, ain't nobody dying. And he kept on pushing me. I said, yeah, look, y'all shutting the show down. What are you talking about? Somebody dying? The goddamn show's canceled. And he kept pushing me, and and, and it's too much, man. You know, I can't, I can't handle that shit anyway. You, you yeah, know how I am. Let me anyway. ask you a question. Let, let, let yeah. me ask you a question, Kevin. Um, yeah. You know. I, I, it's got to be, and I, I've heard stories of this. Of course, you know, here in Mississippi, we don't have a lot of a death match type stuff that, that goes on. Um, probably the closest thing we had was KW up here late 99 that ran out of Memphis with Terry Golden run it. But when you go into a building, you know, that's either never done death matches or maybe never even done wrestling before. How how do you sell them on exactly what you're doing? Because, I mean, that has to be an interesting conversation to kind of let them know what you're renting the building for and then kind of what happens, you know, during these deathmatch tournaments. I mean, it, I, I, how, do you, how do you present that to a, to a building to rent it? Well, back at the, in the early days, like, like say, for that first one, I was very vague, you know, I didn't, I didn't like fucking go over in great detail, you know, what was going to happen. And I didn't, I didn't tell them, you know, everything they were going to fucking use and do. I mean, I just give them a basic outline say, look, you know, it's going to be color, you know, know, they're going to bleed and it's going to be, you know, hardcore and, you know, it's, you know, going to be a little rough and all, but I, you know, but in the early days, you know, I didn't tell him everything because I was fucking scared because I was like, right. well, if I tell him everything, then he ain't, he ain't going to let me fucking do it, which was still, I shouldn't have done that. I should have been honest 
and let the motherfucker deny me and I wouldn't go somewhere else. And so by the second time, by the second year, I just fucking told him everything. And by the time we run the second Carnage Cup, um, I, I was able to find like a privately owned building. You know, it wasn't a city building, it wasn't a national guard right. owner, it wasn't a rec center. It was like, you know, an individual owned a little bitty, you know, hole in the wall fucking shack. And so, right. with that type, with that type of building, it, it, it's a little bit easier. Well, I say my experience after that was easier with <clears throat> with the small, like rinky dink, you know, private owned building. I, from then right. on, I ain't fucked with a city building since. Now, I've ran some National Guard armories. Uh, now, the National Guard armories, hell, I just tell them. I just tell, I tell the drill sergeant, I tell him straight up. I said, look, man, this is, you know, death match. And some of them, hell, they get tickled and they laugh and everything. Oh, man, they do all that crazy shit. And the, and the, I guess because, you know, they in the damn military, you know, they used to see an action and shit. And so they, they think yeah. it's a trip. And so National Guard Armors, I never, I didn't, I only had trouble with, with well, let's see, I had trouble with two National Guard Armors. I ran one in Clear, Alabama. I ran Carnage Cup five and six. That was two thousand nine and ten back to back. And after the second one, they wouldn't let me come back uh, because uh, and that, and that was due to I mean I, I I've had that's one thing I've had trouble with man is I've had trouble with with people helping me fucking clean up man I've even often paid people and now I don't I don't yeah. have that trouble now. But I did, you know, through the years, you know, it, it varied. I mean, one Carnage Cup, I'd have plenty of help and everything be good. And then, you know, we, 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 uh, we'd get banned or couldn't come back, you know, for, you know, different reasons. Um, but some people think it was just because we wouldn't clean up. And I said, no, I'd, I'd clean up or either I'd work out a deal with a building owner that I would clean up like 90% of it or, you know, almost all of it, and then just fucking pay him to take care of the rest of it. And they they agree to it. But then a lot of times we just go in and the building be so fucking trashed that, you know, the, it was just overwhelming. And so even after I stayed in there and cleaned up for four or five hours and then offered to give them, you know, a couple hundred dollars or whatever, they still fucking, no, nah, we can't let you come back. And so, I mean, cause we, man, when we do this shit, we do it. And I mean, one year... We was in this little bitty ass garage. Matter of fact, it was in Coleman. Mickey Henry had run that building for years. Oh, Lord. And uh, <laughs> there was so much glass in that fucking building, man. And there was so much dust off them tubes. You couldn't see shit. I mean, it looked like it was fucking snow in there. Like it was, it looked like it had snowed in there, like in the in the air. And then on the ground, the, 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 the uh, floor. <clears throat> was so deep with glass shards you walking around and, and it and it sounded just like you were stepping on cockroaches. I mean it, it was and it, it was just overwhelmed man. They said, God damn, you know, this this motherfucker is trashed out. And it wouldn't be a situation like, you know, we could we could clean this motherfucker up tonight or tomorrow. It'd take these motherfuckers a week or <laughs> it'd take them a week <laughs> You know, to clean yeah. this some bitch up, you know, and it, it just, I mean, that's just how we roll, man. I mean, it's, it's so goddamn violent and so over the top that 
it's a goddamn insurance risk to go in anywhere because we would just trash these motherfuckers out so bad. And it's just a damn miracle, you know. I ain't never been, you know, I ain't never been uh, sued or anything. I mean, I've been lucky. Uh, yeah, you know. I mean, I just been yeah, lucky. Yeah. Man, I <clears throat> All right. Jesus and I mean, Christ! I can only imagine. Huh? I can only imagine. I tried to go and. I tried to go rent a National Guard armory one time, and they wouldn't rent it because the guy in front of me poured nacho cheese down the commode and messed their sewage up. So I could only imagine some of the stuff that uh, you know having to deal with the cleanup and everything. That's something I never even thought about. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm, just, so I'm too before... goddamn old. I'm too goddamn old now, man. To... See, that's why this year we ran in a, at a campground. It was fucking outside. Out in the middle yeah. of goddamn nowhere. So, see, it, it was, you know, I got to run somewhere like that, man. I can't go in these nice-ass fucking buildings anymore. I mean, I just can't do it, man. I trash them out. So, now, we actually, we got a real <clears throat> good hookup uh, in a remote part of Tennessee, just like right over the state line. Uh, yeah. And it's it's in a, it's in a, it's in a campground. It looks like, like a fucking horror movie. Like, you go out there. I mean, it's so deep in the woods, and it's out in the middle. It's beautiful, but it's out in the middle of nowhere, and it's very remote and secluded, and it, it, it's a perfect fit, you know, for carnage kill. But, I mean, it's really the only fit. I mean, it's really the only type of location or venue that, that we can run, I mean, now. You know, it's just, to be honest, I mean, it's just, it's got to the point yeah. now where, you know, if I'm going to keep doing them, you know, i I got to run somewhere like that. Cause you know I ain't gonna do all I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna fucking stay all night no more clean that motherfucker up, and I'm not gonna pay nope. you know a crew to come in there five six hundred damn dollars to clean up. You know I ain't gonna do it. So everybody wants to get paid now. You know nobody wants to just fucking help you out. You know you know because I mean we tell I, in a way I don't blame them man because I I've had to stay and clean up these buildings before and uh, the last straw was back in 2011. Me and my wife, it was in Coleman. It was Coleman National Guard Armory. And no lie, me and my wife, I think the damn show was over with about 2 o'clock in the morning. It was 8 o'clock the damn next morning. Me and my wife left that motherfucker. And she said, never again. She said, if you can't get somebody to help you clean this motherfucker up or find somewhere you can just pay them to do it. I said, this is the last fucking one. I said, I would not do this shit again. And, you know, I took a right. goddamn year off, and I come back, and I found somewhere else. I mean, you know. But it's like crack. Man. Right. It's like somebody asked me why I do this shit. And I said, it's like a, just, it'd be like asking a crackhead or a meth head, you know. You know, why do you, you know, why can't you stop? You know, it's like a really bad meth habit or a crack habit. You know, it's so good, you know. And the only way you can fulfill it is getting that next hit, man, getting that next show. And that's the way it is. Me, it's so good. Like the experience and the atmosphere is so good that I mean, another show can't can't you know compare you know to the type of okay. Hold on, yeah. take it. Yeah. Take a fucking breath for a second. Hold on. All right, yeah, man. Before we, I, you get? Jesus. All right, before we forge ahead past the, the death match stuff, um, you mentioned Colby, yeah. which I was getting ready to to mention. Um, that was the yeah. first death match tournament me and my wife ever went to. 
and we tapped out like around 11:30. Like I had to work the next day, so we left. So I saw the rest of it on DVD. <clears throat> now Neil, as we've mentioned a couple times already, uh, not really you know accustomed to death matches, hasn't been around them, hasn't really watched them. I think probably the most closest thing to death matches he probably ever saw is maybe those old. Cactus Jack and Terry Funk clips from Japan from back in the day, but uh, yeah, so Neil was <clears throat> Neil was uh, he came to my house in Gadsden and we went and worked a pro south show, and we're hanging out at my house and he had heard me talk about this shit and he's like oh, I want to see it so I put in the DVD of the Coleman Carnage Cup, you know the one at the Armory, not the one in the Mickey Henry Shack, um, yeah, and so so we watched it and of course. You know, as expected, you know, we get to the infamous uh, stabbing with the box cutter scene. And that's pretty much where Neil was just like, what the fuck, you know. So <laughs> Neil now has you on the phone, the man who masterminded this, this whole show. So if, if there's ever anything, having watched that, Neil, if there was ever anything you ever wanted to ask Kevin about anything you saw on that particular DVD or just – his mindset of booking this shit in general, here's a great opportunity. Cause after this, we're about to move on uh, into the, the comedy aspects. We got, we've got to get to Softcore cup two to promote that a little bit before we run out of time. So go ahead. If you know, if you want to slide out asking about the stabbing, whatever you want to ask him, you've got his ear for, for a moment. So. You know, I, I guess Kevin, if I had to ask you anything is, you know, you have anybody in the world that can walk up and say that, they can do hardcore matches. Uh, how do you, you know, because what you guys, what somebody does in their backyard versus what you do or what you promote is, you know, night and day, you know, how do you weed out? I mean, I mean, uh, do you have some sort of expectation of what you want them to do when they go out there? I mean, I, I guess I'm thinking about somebody that's kind of inexperienced where they're, going to go out there and hit each other with some pie pans a couple of times and you know they're going to call that a hardcore match i mean kind of what's your expectation when you when you're dealing with somebody new that's trying to get booked there yeah my expectations yeah with somebody just brand new right out the shoot ain't never been on one yeah uh (laughs) well well, for instance, I had a couple of guys that debuted this year, and they, they had never fucking been on one before. And I just, uh, to start with, I asked them, you know, what had they done before? And, you know, they hadn't done anything nowhere near, you know, the level of this kind of shit. And so I said, well, right. you know, I just laid some shit out there. I laid some of the crazy, you know, real crazy shit because I told them, you know, the way shit is now, man, if you come on here and do this, you know, you got to be willing to do, you know, any damn thing. You know, firecrackers, fucking razor wire, you know, you know, saw blade boards, you know, you know, fucking uh, electric fans, you know, with blades on them. And, I mean, just, I mean, insane, crazy, you know, over-the-top shit. And so I lay all the big shit out on the table first, and I try to scare them off. And then if, you know, they ain't scared, you know, if they, you know, if they don't take too many things off the table, then they still got a spot, you know, but if if it's where I don't think they're going to be able to live up to my expectations, which are real high right now, 
I'd say just short of somebody dying, I would say, you know, the, the bar is high. I mean, I don't want nobody to die, obviously. And I, I don't wish nobody, you know, death or anything. But, but I ain't going to lie. I do want to see some really, really fucked up shit. I mean, that's just what I want to see. And so you've well, got you to be to. willing to do, you got to be willing to do anything just short of killing yourself at this point uh, for me to be satisfied. I mean, and that's not because I don't, I don't care about them. I do. But see, you got to understand that the mindset of a deathmatch guy is not like you are a normal person or, or a normal wrestler. So when I say I want to see something just short down, I can talk to these guys like that. And they won't take it offensively, and they won't take it as I want them to die. Or I want them to be. They they know, you know. That's that's the lingo, man. That's just like talking old school, and motherfuckers don't know what the old school lingo was back in the day. With the death matches, same way. You know, I can say, hey man, you know, you know, I don't want you fucking die, man. But you know, this is what I I want to see, and and I can lay it all out there. And if they you know, if they really want it bad enough and they know how to take how I talk, then, then they'll they'll be cool, you know. You know, like I said, not yeah, I everybody you. knows. You know, some people, they green, you know, ain't never been around it or been in it before. And then, you know, you, you have to ease them into it, you know. Let me, uh, ask, I let me ask you this, and I don't know if this is something me and you yeah. ever even actually discussed in all of our conversations. But, you know, on a lot of those yeah. shows, you used to have what me and Insane Lane referred to affectionately as the Waterhead Battle Royal, uh, or yeah. the Shithook Battle Royal, which, you know, I know, <laughs> I know you had heat with me for a few years over some of that kind of shit. But was those done as sort of a tryout for future death matches where you could look and see what these guys could do, or was it just simply a way to throw guys on the show who were bugging the shit out of you about wanting to work, and it was just a way to get them on the show and kill some time in between death matches, or was it really kind of an audition for future guys to put in tournaments? Uh, yeah, prim- yeah, primarily it was um, a way to to scout new talent and to see you know, it's for guys that uh, weren't ready for the tournament yet. And so I wanted, you know, if a guy come up and said, look, man, I'll, fuck, I'll do whatever, man. You know, but he's green as grass. And, you know, I ain't going to put him in the damn tournament yet because, you know, he get, you know, that that's that's a risk. You know? So so yeah. I put him in them battle rolls, you know, I put him in them battle rolls and they would, you know, and then, you know, some guys, even for the battle royal, you know, some of them guys wouldn't even fit for that. You know, no, Big no. James I mean, that, and that's kind of what you know, Big James. Damn that's what me and Lane was talking about. Because like you, you had, you had these guys, and you, especially that Coleman one in particular. I mean, you had brought in like some of the the best of the best in the in the deathmatch world, like guys from California and just all over the place, and spent a lot of money to get them there. And I, where I had a problem with it, you know, I was like, man, you got these, you know, top notch guys right here that you know are killing each other, and then all of a sudden you got these bunch of just guys in here, and some of it was brutal. Don't get me wrong. Like I say, Big James nearly fucking died, but then you had guys out there, like Neil referred to, just slapping each other with pie pans, and so it's like it goes from serious deathmatch stuff to shit damn near Three Stooges laughable, and then the people nearly getting killed because they're too, you know, inexperienced to even know what the fuck they're doing. It was just, it was a train wreck. I mean, it, it was an absolute 
fucking train wreck. But I mean, I I guess I get where you're coming from. Like, well, we'll throw them out there and see what the fuck happens. But to me, because yeah. you know, me and you talk about it. Me and you look at things from completely different perspectives. And where I looked at it is, man, you're fucking killing the momentum on the show because people are really into this. Like, oh my god, these guys are killing each other. And you look around the villain, everybody's like, what the fuck is this? You know, who are these guys? What the fuck's happening? But and that was oh, always yeah. my yeah. complaint about it. But you know, it was what it was. But I always just wondered. I didn't know if it was just like, hey, let's throw these guys out here and see if somebody dies, or if it was like, hey, let's see if anybody shows any bit of potential to where we maybe can squeeze them into next year's tournament or or something like that. But so yeah, yeah that's like what I say, we got a that's limited amount of time, and and I want to I want to get to to where we're going here and promote you know the the softcore cup coming up in August. So. Where do we where do we go from? And, and you're not out of it because, like you just said, you did you did Carnage Cup, um, just what last month, um, or month before uh, or somewhere yeah, in yeah. there. April, yeah, April 29th. Yeah. Yeah. So in April, you you did another Carnage Cup, and you've been doing them, but you kind of split your time between death matches and and you know you adopted comedy wrestling, so. Where where amongst all this do you pick up the the affection for comedy wrestling and then decide, hey, maybe this is something we could implement and uh, run with here in the area? Oh, uh, well, the comedy is kind of – and, you know, people, when I try to talk to them, you know, most people think that I'm just a hardcore deathmatch promoter and – you know, they don't know that I got this other side of me that really, really loves comedy. And uh, it's kind of strange because people say, well, Kevin don't like but two styles of wrestling, the extreme over-the-top death matches or the ridiculous fucking stupid, ridiculous over-the-top comedy. And, and that's that's true because I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty extreme, well, as you know, extreme person in general. And so I go usually to the extreme with anything that I like. And so that's the way I do with my, those are my two favorite styles. And if I go to the death match, it's going to be goddamn over the top, too much violent. If I go comedy, it's going to be over the top. It's going to be like, Hey, you know, this is, this shouldn't, you know, you said, hell, this might be too much, you know, but it's too much mm-hmm. either way. Whether I go death match or comedy, I go over the fucking top too much either way. I just, I don't know how to, I don't know how to do middle of the road. I just only know how to do fucking full tilt over the top. Uh, but the comedy again, I mean, like, like the horror, horror movies, I guess, and the violent shit I watched as a kid. I also had a really, really fond love for comedy movies and for stand up comedians. And so I guess that influenced uh, my love for just funny shit in general, and uh, but really, when I when I first decided I wanted to do some comedy wrestling was when I found Five Dollar Wrestling. They started doing that Five Dollar Wrestling, and and at that particular time, when Five Dollar come out, I was burned out, you know, on, on normal wrestling, and and, and yeah. I still like me and you talk. I still don't like, you know, just regular wrestling. I mean, even when I watch WWE, I like the fucking characters, you know, and I like the guys that are have over-the-top characters and are either really good on the stick or they're either funny. You know, it's got to have something going for them. You know, I just, you know, I'm not a big fan of high-flying. I'm not a big fan of technical, 
you know, I, I like the really hardcore, and then I like the comedy stuff. That's anyway, you know, uh, I can't remember. You don't you don't remember when we first talked about wanting to do comedy, do you? I mean, I think it was. I may have been well, $5 for a while. I don't remember when the first conversation we had, is, hey, you know, let's it started to do it. It started before before I was back in the fold. You had started doing LXW. I assume, now I'm not putting words in your mouth, but I assume LXW sprung from your fandom of $5 wrestling and then somewhat of Chikara as well because it seemed to be influenced by both. But you started LXW wrestling. And me and Rosie came down to Silicaga because you booked uh, Big Donnie and the Burke County boys from the Burke County DVDs and the $5 shows. And we came down there to see that. And me and you started talking at the show. And that's where me and you started back talking again. And it just kind of snowballed from there. Um, you know, as far as the really, uh, like, I don't, cause I don't know if, I don't, think you intended at first for LXW to be like this full-on comedy. I mean, I know like the main event, you was doing like the you know, crazy different battle royals. You know, y'all had like the buffet battle royal and the toy battle royal and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I know after after I got back involved, I mean, you sat down and started talking about coming up with specific characters, you know, rather than just booking guys or whatever they were, you know, trying to figure out characters for people. But I do remember where the, the the idea for softcore cup one came from was in that sweltering fucking building uh, for the one LXW show, me, you, Jeremy Flint and uh, Drew, uh, who was yeah. uh, kosher chef and uh, Nacho Butcher was sitting around joking around about, well, you know, you've done hardcore. What if we did softcore and we would do, and we started naming off all these goofy games. It's one of those things you just do when you're in the dressing room shooting the shit. And, you know, we think we're just kidding around. And then, you know, a few days later you messaged me. He's like, you know, we could, we could fucking do that. Like, really, that would work. And then we just kind of went from there coming up with ideas. The next thing you know, a few months later, softcore cup happened in uh, Tennessee and it caught on and you're still selling those DVDs, right? Oh yeah, man. That 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 blew my mind too because we uh we I'm still getting buys on that damn softcore cup, man. And I mean that that it's kind of crazy because really before I had done that softcore cup, the 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 only thing it was really selling really good for me was the carnage cups. And so when I found out, you know, I started getting the damn buys back off softcore. I'm like, God damn, you know, we didn't caught on to something now. And so, uh, but yeah, man, I, I kind of went through some stages there where, you know, I was just IWA and then, you know, I, I, I experimented with LHW because I was trying to experiment with like the, I guess the, the $5 and the Chikar style, you know, and, and then that shit didn't last long, and then we, you know, we started ten dollar, and we wanted to try because at the time, you know, five dollar they was, uh, they pretty much were folding up. Jake wasn't gonna do no more five dollar shows, you know. And then I talked to High Spots, you know, and Jake uh, specifically about, you know, hey, can I do ten dollar? Do you mind? You know, I got his permission, and everything. And so then we started doing them, uh, but then. Uh, you know, finding these damn buildings that are cheap enough and, and and keeping on a budget, man, that that you can run, 
low enough, you know, to keep those shows to where you can make any money. You know, that was my big thing, you know. And so, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know where you want to go with this now, but yeah, I, uh, uh, let's let's back up let's back up for a second before we get to the the first softcore cup. As as we get into uh, comedy wrestling and evolves from LXW to this and that. Um, there was a character me you me you Drew and Jeremy were had Facebook messages going and were throwing out characters you know that and ha- some of it was somewhat serious most of it was just ridiculous bullshit we're just bullshitting around like hey it could be so and so it'd be this <laughs> and Jeremy being Jeremy <clears throat> and I don't think at all being serious post hey i'll be right face ronnie jenkins and we yeah. all have a laugh at it and the next thing i know i talked to you like a couple of weeks later maybe even a month later whatever it was and you know and you're like hey we're gonna we're gonna do this rape face thing i'm like what <laughs> are you serious yeah. Like, yeah and you started explaining to me you know the concept of what y'all are wanting to do and then you know, I didn't know if you were ribbing me, so I text Jeremy. I'm like, Are you, is this for real? He's like, yeah, man, here's what we're going to do. And he called me. And so, I mean, would you say, I mean, I know it took some twists and turns, and he may be dead, he may not, whatever. But, I mean, would you say, because I know you have an affection for that character. I know you've had some of the most fun we've had is taping that shoot interview and, and the crazy shit he's done right so would you say that's probably yeah. like your favorite creation out of all this is, is ronnie jenkins yeah well yeah i would say i'd say yeah ronnie jenkins and boris dookie uh, yeah yeah are my two favorite characters i mean hands down you know hands down yeah but ronnie but again that's that's that another idea. case that's another case where it's an example of what you just said, where you always go over the top. Like Ronnie Jenkins is Jeremy Flint in Daisy Dukes in a Hawaiian shirt and a blonde wig and a trucker cap, <laughs> and he talks like you know he talks like a redneck. And I mean, it's a it's a funny character right off the bat. Yeah. But then <laughs> when Kevin gets a hold of it, you know he's a he's a fucking pedophile and we start zoning in on that <laughs> aspect of the gimmick you know and it goes from yeah. this fun character that could get over that you know we can use to he's getting heat with his you know ex-wife and there's all kinds of people there's yeah, people yeah. threatening to boycott but, but, yeah. and it turns into a big clusterfuck yeah. to the point that we had to kill him off because Jeremy wasn't willing to do it anymore because of all the issues that, that came of it and then, of course, you know, you mentioned Boris Dookie, and then there's a whole other over-the-top angle to him. But backing up to Ronnie, um, do you wish we had done a more toned-down version of that, just played up the redneck aspects of his character and not honed in on the whole pedophile thing? Or do you like it as it was and, oh, well, it you know, however it turned out, it turned out? Man, I mean, all the material and shit we... I mean, from that fucking interview we did to, I mean, the entrance and, and, and the shit, you know, we had the two girls. I mean, that shit was great, man. But, uh, I, I mean, I don't, you know, I mean, maybe, but see, I really dug those two chicks that he had with him because 
the two chicks he had with him really fucking completed the character. And I think, yeah, Ronnie by himself is still funny. I think, especially the short blonde chick, man, because she really, really fit the part. And, I mean, she she legit looked young, underage. And, I mean, people can say, well, you're a fucking dirty, you know, piece of shit. But keep in mind, you know, we never booked a chick that was underage. We booked legal. It's just like booking somebody. It's just like uh, – making a fucking movie, man. You know, it's just like getting actors for a movie. <clears throat> Obviously, they're they're fucking legal, but they're playing characters. So the way I looked at it is, hey, we're not really bad fucking people. You know, I, I don't condone pedophilia. You know, I don't condone rape, none of that shit. Ronnie, I mean, Jeremy was playing a character. You know, Susie was playing a character. Carly was playing a character. They were playing characters. They, they were, fu- all of them were fucking legal. You know, so they weren't, you know, they weren't doing anything illegal and they weren't doing anything fucking wrong because, I mean, it's a fucking, it's a movie, man. It's a wrestling business. Now it's sports entertainment. It's fucking storylines. It's characters. So, so no, I, I don't feel bad. I mean, I, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm really pissed. I'm kind of pissed, man, because I wish he was still fucking around because I, I really fucking love Ronnie. And so, I mean, I don't know. It's it's a hard call. Yeah, if I'd have known we'd had to kill him off, yeah, I guess we'd have had to tone it down. If I'd have known yeah. now, what I, if I would have known then what I know now, then we'd have had, yeah, I'd have said tone it down. At least until a certain point to where he, he could have come back and said, hey, you know, if we want to go a little more over the top, we can now. We're you know it's fine to do that now. Yeah. But we went like like I do with everything. We fucking go full tilt, full throttle over the fucking top. Too if only there had been someone the there to, to warn you. If only there had been somebody there to tell you at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like well, hey, uh, never want to listen to old Gene. Yeah, but look, they said the same thing about Paul Heyman. They said Paul Heyman, too, man, he, he had a fucking great mind, but he didn't have no filter or no throttle and nobody to pull the reins back. And when he had a fucking idea, well, Russo was the same way. Russo come up with some crazy over-the-top shit. And, I mean, some of the shit, you know, I didn't buy it, but some of the crazy shit he, he did, you know, I actually liked because, you know, I have a fucked-up sense of humor. And so, you know, I don't know, man. Yeah, I mean, I still wish. But you were in the minority looking back on it now. Yeah, I mean, looking back on it, we should have toned the shit down. We should have not went full tilt over the top. I mean, well, here's what I always said then, and I still say this now. If If you're doing the Ronnie character in TJ's house recording a shoot interview, or you're doing the Ronnie character at a Carnage Cup where only people of a certain age had been allowed to come in was one thing. But we go parading Ronnie in a goddamn National Guard armory in Tennessee, driving him up in a rape van with the two underage girls and playing up the gimmick in front of a crowd. That's when it gets... Yeah. Yeah, that's when it gets troublesome. Hey, look, 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 look. We, We are at a new crossroads in the road. I just got a fucking... A bar, or if they some fucking do softcore cup too. We've got the ideal venue. 
It's an adult yep. show, 18 and 18 and up. We have the venue and we have the event. I say, I say fucking Ronnie. I mean, even in I mean, the, the matches are booked. But I say fucking Ronnie needs to return at goddamn softcore cup too. I say that is the if he was gonna come back, he needs to come back then because we'd be at a fucking bar, an adult only show, softcore cup two. You know he was the first softcore cup winner. I I say I say fucking Ronnie needs to be at softcore cup two. Here's, here's what I say. I'll say it again. I'm not no. He can do commentary as Clint, but I say Ronnie I know, needs listen. to fucking come out there. Listen, that's what I'm saying. He can do. Flint can oh, be I'm, on commentary yeah, sorry, all night. I'm, I'm he outside. disappear. I'm outside. I'm I'm, I'm hearing. I'm hearing the wind off the beach. So I'm, I'm he sorry. Did, I couldn't hear you. But go ahead. He disappears before the main event, and when whoever wins Softcore Cup two. The winner of Softcore Cup One, who's been gone for however many years now, man, or two years or whatever, and he's been dead and all that. That's when Ronnie returns to challenge him, and then you got your setup for your next match at the bar. When we come back, it's Softcore Cup winner one versus Softcore Cup winner two, and you set the match up there, and then you can do you can work out a spot for Ronnie there to get him over with that bar crowd. And him not yeah, actually have a match yeah. on the show that night because it makes no sense for him to be in the tournament when he's already won one. And if he gets eliminated, then there's no reason to bring him back for a match. But if he shows up at the end, the guy's celebrating, he's won, and now all of a sudden, you know, she's only 17 plays, and here comes Ronnie out with his, you know, <laughs> original cup. And then that that's a big, you know, way to play up and draw your next show whenever you want to run the next show there. But that's just, you know, my two cents. But. Hopefully nobody's yeah. going to listen to this, so they already know the finish. But we didn't say who was going to win. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Pretty yeah. sure he's green, but you know. So yeah. tell us but, about uh, tell us about Boris fucking Dookie. Who is he? What is he? Why can't the motherfucker keep a Facebook page to save his life? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Boris Dookie, man. He's from Riga, Latvia, man. Hell, Gene, you 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 know who he is, man. He's from he's from uh he's a jig you know a gigolo and professional submissive from uh, Riga, Latvia, and he just uh he just come to the states. You know what what was it October fifteen? So he's been here a little over a year now. Uh, showed up at my goddamn house. uh, Showed up at my fucking house in a diaper. For a shoot interview. Oh yeah, which is available well, if anybody see, here, wants to see it. It's available. Yeah, smartmarkvideo.com. Uh, it's released in a three pack with the uh, Ronnie. Sh- the uh, it's the Boris shoot, the Ronnie shoot, and then Spider and and John Rare shoot. It's a three pack. Uh, but anyway, um, do what? I can go ahead. Oh, okay. All right. So, uh. See now, look, man. We thought when 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 we brought Ronnie in, we just thought we had some controversial with Ronnie, and uh, and and then Boris come in because you know me, man. You know me when 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 Ronnie died, a part of me died, and so. Well, because let's Boris, just say this here real quick, Ron. You know, you you talk about the fact Ronnie's a character and played by Jeremy Flint, but and you even mentioned him and you said. 
you you called him Ronnie and, and referred to him as if he's a real person. So let's be honest. In your head, Ronnie Jenkins came to life, and Ronnie Jenkins Ronnie Jenkins is is someone you care about who who is real to you, and it, it did. I mean, me and you were on the phone when I come up with the idea when Jeremy said he couldn't do the gimmick anymore since it's shoot on here, and I said, well, we got to kill him off. And I wrote the article to kill him off. You, when me and you talked on the phone, you were literally upset as if someone had actually died. Like a little part of you, like he was about to say, a little part of you died. You were genuinely bummed out about that, right? Yeah, man. Truthfully, truthfully, I was. Because uh, I, hell, I put a lot of time and and thought and energy into that damn character, so. I mean, well, he, he was brought like in Joey. Face. You brought in Joey Ryan from California to put him over for that first sophomore cup, which I think attests to a lot of the the buys that it still gets because Joey Ryan has gone on to become infamous and famous altogether since. You know, that was before he was throwing people with his dick. Jeremy didn't get to experience that, but maybe there'll be a rematch. <laughs> at, at, but yeah, no. Truthfully, though, that's that's, that's right, man. I. Man, you know, I didn't want to have. I was still when you said he had to be killed off, man. I I, I was still trying to figure out a way to fucking keep him going because I didn't want him yeah. to go, man. I mean, really, like he said, man, he, he was like, like if I had a fucking family member that would have died. I mean, it almost was that bad. It wasn't quite that bad. I mean, it, but it it was bad, man. I and I knew. I mean, my damn my damn creative juices got to working and flowing. Almost immediately after we killed Ronnie, you know, I started working on coming up with the uh, Boris Dookie character. So I said, fuck, man. I said, and then, you know, I told you, we, I talked, called you on the phone. I said, look, Gene, I can't deal with this shit no more. I said, I can't put all this heart and energy and, and love into a fucking character just to have him killed off in a few months or a year or whenever. So fuck it. I said, you know, Boris. And that's why, you know, you know who's fucking, well, you know who Boris is. Okay, Fave, goddamn it. But, uh, but anyway, that's why I said fuck it, because I ain't, motherfucker, I'm, Boris is here to stay. You know, because so I, I, I couldn't do this, you know. All right, well, I guess we don't want to come right out and say that. But let's just say, for the people who, who bitch and, and say what they say, the reason Boris the person plays Boris who does is because you know that somebody you can count on who's not going to have to stop doing it, who's not going to go, oh, this is too much. You know that this person's willing to do anything, God forbid, legal or not, and that's why you're doing it, right? It's not like an ego thing. It's not like, hey, you know, this person wants to make himself the focus. It's just a matter of, hey, this is somebody I know will do whatever the fuck needs done, and there won't be any cutting it short. Right. Oh hell yeah, man! And uh, I mean, even even to the point to where, I mean, Boris has fucking caused some problems. You know, my fucking marriage, man. I mean, my damn my wife. Uh, she, I mean, there was a there was some. There's been a few times where she didn't want me to book him no more. And uh, I just yeah. said, no, no, no. We fucking we killed no, we killed Ronnie off. I'm not killing Boris. Boris ain't dying, man. Fuck that. Has so Boris ever come Boris, to your house Boris. to visit? No, listen. Even if I ain't running wrestling no more, goddamn Boris, we'll make a movie with that motherfucker or something. You know, we'll do but something. But I'm saying, I mean, so does, Boris, does Boris ever show up at Kevin's house? And, and 
try to. He showed up a time. He showed up a time or two in that fucking diaper. And uh, and then how'd your wife react? That to motherfucker that? too goddamn cheap. That motherfucker too goddamn cheap to buy a Walmart diaper. They get up by them dollar store diaper. And they talking about, you know, never mind. That's a whole nother damn thing. But uh, <laughs> that motherfucker show up with them dollar store diapers though, man. Remember, showed up at your house, man. What do you uh, yeah, think about I, that, Gene? I, I, <laughs> I wondered what I was doing with my life. <laughs> well, I'm not too much involved with wrestling these days. I, I knew that was the day that I go, you know what? What the fuck am I doing with my life? I need I need to focus on work, and uh, this is this is not going where I want it to. You know. <laughs> but, uh, I'm afraid. So, okay, so we're, we're, we're winding down to the end. Now, God damn it. We put over we put over Ronnie Jenkins, we put over Boris, we put over everybody. I want you to put over your goddamn commentary team that helped sell these fucking ten dollar DVDs. Let's talk about that for a minute. But you 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 and uh you and Tim Statham, man. I mean uh well for the first Which I'm not asking for a pat on the back. I, I mean I'm I saying how did you come about how did you come about deciding like Tim Statham was the guy that who would be willing to, to do this? Because I I got to figure most comedians, you know, if you you come at them with this this idea, are gonna be like, "What Re- wrestling comedy? What, what the fuck are you talking about?" So, what was Tim's initial uh, reaction when you uh, came to him with this idea? Um, uh, well, let me see. Well, see, I've been following Tim for years, and he he's like my favorite local comedian. And when I when I you know had talked to you about you know trying to start doing. You know, ten dollar. I said, hell, I gotta go with Tim because he's fucking local, and you know, I'm not gonna fly somebody in for that. And so, um, I mean, I knew, I mean, instantly, I hell, fucking Tim was the man. And so, I called him, and I'm gonna try to try to see if I can remember. It seems like when I first talked to him, you know, he, he I think, I don't, it seems like, it seems like he. Um, was apprehensive at first because, you know, he didn't know, you know, he'd never called wrestling before. And yeah. so he's like, he was apprehensive because he, he didn't know nothing about wrestling. And, and I just told him, I said, you're going to be the, I said, you're going to be the color guy. He said, well, what is that? And I said, well, you're just going to tell jokes and talk shit about people. He said, oh, I can do that. He said, God damn, I can do that. And so anyway, so I, I just sold him on it. Like I said, man, you don't have to know nothing about wrestling. I said, Gene is going to be the straight guy. Or, well, I mean, they really wasn't a straight guy. That didn't pan out. He's going to the play-by-play guy. And I said, you're you're just going to fucking tell jokes and talk shit about people. And so I said, don't worry, man. Gene will guide you through the show. You'll be fine. Don't worry about it. And so I just kept talking to him and encouraging him and, you know, anyway. And so finally, you know, he said, yeah, let, let's try this, man. He said, this shit might be fun, and, you know, let, let's try this. And so, uh, shit, I mean, then then we had it booked, man, you know. And uh, which, uh, like, I, I'll tell you this now, even though, even if we don't do $10 and we just do IWA and incorporate the best of all the shows into the one show, uh, I still want to bring Tim back to do commentary, oh, yeah. no matter what, you know. I mean, I mean, obviously not a Carnage Cup, but for a local, you know, an Alabama show, especially like at the bar, I mean, I'd like to bring him back in, you know. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, me and Tim met for the first time that day, an hour before the show. And, you know, we hit it off and, and he's, you know, I've had friends that's, that's messaged me that's watched it on high spots network and whatnot. It's messaged me. And then, and Tim said he's had comedian friends that he's brought to his house and showed it to him. It was like, well, how long have you and that guy been working together? And he's like, oh, we just met that day. And he said, they're dumbfounded by that. Cause we just, we clicked, you know, that very first night, you know, we clicked and it, it was an absolute blast working with him. And, and I'm looking forward to working with Jeremy at softcore cup and we're going to have fun and we're going to be every bit as, as mean and funny as, as me and Tim was, but man, it was, uh, it was really cool because, like you said, he hadn't called wrestling. He wasn't a wrestling guy, so none of it was insider shit. It wasn't anything that, you know, uh, people didn't get. It was, you know, it was look at the guy and make obvious jokes about what he's seeing, not like shit that he knows about him outside of wrestling. So, I don't know. It worked really well, and, and people seemed to enjoy it. And I, I still now randomly get messages on my facebook or i'll get emails saying hey i just saw this ten dollar wrestling on high spots it was funny you know we enjoyed y'all's commentary when are y'all coming back and so i tell them you know the next shows in uh dadeville on the, the you know the 19th of august so maybe some of those people will come and uh it's it's been really well received you know from the people i've talked to at least yeah yeah I guess that leads us up to this softcore cup too, man. Uh, here on yeah, August give 19th. us the hard sell here. Tell us where it's going to be and how they can get tickets and all that stuff. All right. So anyway, it's it's going to be it's this uh, bar, well, very known, very well known club down uh, south of me. Um, it's called the World Famous Rodeo Club. It's on Lake Martin. Um, <clears throat> I hadn't heard of it. I actually, I mean, it's, it's supposed to be a well-known place. I just recently found it, and uh, a buddy of mine actually turned me on to it because I told him, yeah, I want to start doing more adult, you know, type shows. And so anyway, I went in there, I talked to the owner. Hell, it took me took me two times talking to the owner. And my initial meeting with him, he wasn't completely sold on it, and I was trying my fucking damnedest. And so I went back the second time, and then finally I was able to sell him on it because uh, he just wasn't sure it was going to work, you know. And so, <clears throat> so anyway, we got it. It's, it's going to be at the Rodeo Club. It's in Dadeville, Alabama. It's on Lake Martin. Um, it, it's pretty much the fucking club down in that neck of the woods. I mean, if you, if, if you, I mean, want a cold beer or if you want, you know, if you're looking for a concert or any kind of a live event, uh, I mean, they had Chippendales down there. They've had they've had uh, comedy, you know, comedic uh, stand-up uh, comedy shows. They've had concert. I mean, basically everything except wrestling. You know, they've had in that building. Uh, it's air conditioned. Goddamn, no, we gotta have air conditioned, Gene, in the middle of August. And so, oh, I, yeah, I we learned that the hard way. Me. That was a big, big sale, big sale for me. I mean, it had a fucking air conditioner for one. And number two, you know, it was a fucking bar, so I knew, well, you know, how are you going to be? I mean, it's a bar, it's got an air conditioner. And, I mean, it, you know, it, it fits what we're wanting to do. And, I mean, yeah. there wasn't a better place down this way. So, anyway, Softcore Cup 2, all right. 
And and uh, so now, now, now this is gonna be this is gonna be IWA deep south, which I don't know. We can't got time to go into that other shit. But due to my overwhelming response uh, from Carnage Cup and from internet fans, you know, getting in contact with me and you know expressing, you know, uh, basically their love for IWA. You know, we we talked about you know why I made the decision just to just to run IWA. And say so we can do softcore, we can do comedy shows, we can do the death matches, we can do whatever. But due to the fact that I've got so many years invested into that brand, um, you know, it just made more sense just to stick with my more recognizable brand. And so, which I didn't, I've been a proponent of all along. You know, I mean, I'm not to yeah. say I told you so, or not. I mean, you know, I told you a while back, like, look, you got years invested in this name, you need to run with it you know but i got what, yeah, you, what you were saying at the time it was so much different than what that had been and all that but i, I think now you've come to a place where it all can kind of go under the one umbrella and people will know this is this and this is that and based on location well, know what they're, yeah. they're getting into they'll know if we're running like if i'm running a show at the campground in tennessee it's going to be a deathmatch show if i'm running at the bar it's going to be a comedy show with you know maybe a little bit of non-comedy stuff sprinkling, it, it, but primarily though the shows that I run down here at the bar are going to be heavily comedy, heavily heavily comedy based. Um, you know, so but and, and anyway, so let's get back to our softcore cup two. It's August nineteenth. Uh, our the Golden Circle ringside seats at, at the door are going to be twenty five. And if you buy them in advance, they're going to be 20. The general admission are going to be 20 at the door, 15 advance. And so they're a little more than what, you know, shows normally are around here. But, you know, like I said, I mean, you know, the, the, the struggle with trying to do the $10 wrestling is, you know, being able to, you know, make, you know, make that bottom line, you know, make, right. make it work, you know. And then, too, like I said, with it being at a bar, it's an – it's an adult show. I mean, I think you can get away, you know, and we should we should be fine. Um, but anyway, if they want, you want to get them in advance, you can contact me. Uh, you can order them PayPal, um, Alabama Pro at hotmail dot com, or you can uh, call me at two five six two two three two zero two one. And we've got um, we got Steve Jessup coming in. I. Um, I know you know who he is. That's the guy. He was infamous for driving the uh, lawnmower and the scissor lift drunk. Uh, he was all over the news, which hell now he's like fucking got a huge following, you know, online and yeah. started touring. Uh, he, he's going to be a special guest ring announcer for the night. You know, like I said, you and uh, Flynn are going to be doing the commentary. Absolutely, because we're at a bar, so that should be interesting. Yeah, I mean, stack fucking card. I mean, it's basically, I mean, we talked about, you know, the Chikara and the $5 style. That's basically what this is going to be. It's going to be heavily, uh, heavily, heavy on the uh, $5 style wrestling, but we're also going to have some Chikara guys on the show as well. Uh, Cobalt uh, and the uh, Camperno de Perez, Cornelius Cromwell and Sonny DeForge. Um, so... 
you know, we I mean, we got fucking Bama Mark Chaos against Raider Rock. And, I mean, I'm looking forward to that one because both of them are, are just, just – those are two of the best in their style. Hands down. Yeah. And that They're going to beat the shit out of each other, let's be honest. Yeah, Falls County Anywhere Street Fight. Uh, Bama Mark Chaos, uh, surprisingly, he's been on the Rick and Bubba show before. Uh, he, he's yeah. he's he's got a little cult following man around this part of Alabama. I mean, he's they they uh, uh, Rick and Bubba um, uh, nicknamed him Bama Mark, and he run with that. He used to actually wrestle just as Chaos, but uh, since he's been going on the Rick and Bubba show, they actually nicknamed him Bama Mark. And so now he's running with that, and so he's actually going as Bama Mark Chaos now. Now, is and his so, name uh, Mark, or is he just a Mark from Alabama? No, no, no. His name his name's Mark. Oh. And he's like a huge, huge Alabama fan, so they nicknamed it Bama Mark. Right. And then his former, like I said, his former wrestling name was Chaos, and they just put it all together, Bama Mark Chaos. And so, uh, but anyway, so they're going at it. Uh I don't know if you wanted to run down that whole card or not. Nah, we won't. We won't go through the whole card right now. We're still in June. We'll, we'll, we'll. I like I said, I'll have you on again. We'll talk about some other stuff, and we'll, we'll dig into the card and, and push it a little harder once we get uh, into August first. I say maybe the first week of August, something like that. We'll, uh, we'll have you on again. We'll talk about some other things, and then we'll, we'll cover the card and maybe have a couple of the guys on the show as well that's on the show. So. Um, yeah, I think it'd be it'd be good to do. Well, all right, man, it sounds good. I appreciate you coming on, and uh, I'll be in touch with you soon. I'm still working on getting that commercial that we want to do and all that good stuff. But I'll talk to you about that uh, off the air. And uh, we appreciate you coming, and uh, we'll be continuing to push Softcore Cup too. And like I say, we'll do another show about it here in a few weeks. Okay, man. Uh, uh, thanks for having me on. Hey, absolutely, man. Enjoy the rest of your vacation, and y'all have a safe trip back. Okay, man. Well, you take it easy, man. Thanks. You too. Bye. Uh, uh. Neil? You awake? <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll tell you, that's, uh, that's, that's my buddy Kevin. Um, yeah, I mean, you wind him up and just let him go. That's That's how our phone conversations go, man, like. I'll be needing to get off the phone. Something will be going on. Like I can't, I can't jump in there to to, <laughs> to make it happen. But he's a he's he's a good guy, and uh, I enjoy working his shows. And uh, this all core cup, man. I I think I think he has, as he said, I think he's found the location for it. Doing it in a bar uh, will be much better than, than trying to do these shows in a in an armory or you know community center in some of the places he's done them in the past yeah uh, i think i think I it only created a lot of people enjoy these matches a lot more uh so i'm looking forward to it. it's gonna be fun jeremy's looking forward to it we're gonna we're gonna have a ball doing the commentary like i say we're at a bar rosie's gonna be the designated driver so we're both planning on getting pretty lit so as, uh, <laughs> as i told jeremy i said this is either gonna be our best one or our last one but we're gonna make it count so <laughs> We'll see how it <laughs> Sounds like it should be a lot of fun. Oh yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. Like I said, you gotta uh, you gotta load up and go with us to one of these things sometime and, and witness it in person. It's, it's definitely a right. Yeah, I've got to. 
I've got to now. Yeah. I've <laughs> heard all this information. Yeah. I've got to see this. Uh, like I said, man, if you want to come up with some off-the-wall character, I'm sure we could get you on the show, but I don't know that you want to wrestle any of these, these guys. You might want to just, you know, come feel it out first and see what's going on before you jump in the, <laughs> jump in the pool with well, them, jump if you know in what I mean. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so uh, you got anything? Uh, got anything you want to plug? Got any uh, shows coming up? Or I, I, I've seen on the Facebook it looked like somebody stole your damn EPW title belt. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that could, that whole thing could be a podcast in itself. But um, yeah, I've been uh, uh, Boonville, Mississippi on Saturday nights. Um, out on Old Highway 45 next to the uh, out by the the Prentice County Agri Center. Um, got a big event coming up um, June the 16th, uh, something that's been all over Facebook. The um, the big benefit for Brickhouse Brown um, was just a huge star sign-up, a star-studded lineup of people that's coming in to help Brickhouse out. Of course, he's got a uh, – he's been diagnosed with cancer, and they think he may only have a short time left with us. So uh, I think they've basically given him around six or seven months to live. It's a pretty pretty bad situation. So uh, a lot of folks coming back to uh, to uh, try to help out and uh, help take care of some medical stuff for Brickhouse, and um, so that's uh, that's going to be a huge huge deal. I I really wish I could be there, man. The very first. Uh, quote unquote name uh, that I ever got the opportunity to work with was Brickhouse Brown there in Saltillo. Me and uh, me and Josh Hawley wrestled uh, Brickhouse and Mr. Bojangles, and it's yeah. actually a, a fun story where me and Josh go to the ring not knowing. You know they always do the mystery partner bit, but usually it's only the fans that aren't in on the in on it. Yeah. But uh, they actually kind of ribbed me and Josh, and we went to the ring not knowing who the partner was going to be, which makes it memorable in and of itself. And, and you were the, I think you were the ring announcer that night, or was that the night you were in our corner maybe? And, and Tony called you. That was you the night deal, I was in maybe. your corner. That was, yeah, okay. that was the night I become the real deal. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting on a lot of, on a lot of levels, but you know, I had the opportunity to work with, you know, Brick, you know, quite a few times after that. And, and you worked with him quite a few times and, uh, Good guy, learned you know, learned a lot being around him. Like I say, being the first first name that I work or really got a chance to to be around. You know, we'd be in the in the dressing room at Corinth and and you know be with Brick and and Don Bass who's passed away now and and Honest John who's also passed away and sometimes Tommy Gilbert who's also passed away and um, you know it, it you don't realize when you're sitting there listening to those guys tell stories. Uh, that you're really learning anything in the moment, but later on you realize that you know, yeah, you you did. And uh, I don't know. I guess because of him being one of the first first names I ever got to work with, Brickhouse has always kind of, uh, you know, held a special place with me. And and it really, yeah, I, it really upset me when I heard that that he's going through that, and and that seems to be the outcome. So, uh, he's in our prayers, and and I'm you know, you guys are getting to go do that show, and I really wish I was able to, but with my job, I just I can't get all the way up to Memphis that day, but. Uh, it sounds like it's it's building up every every other day. I'm on Facebook. There's more you know names and different folks being added to it. So it's going to be a, a big show, and I I hope that there's a lot of money raised, and I think it 
if nothing else, it'll just do a hell of a lot to raise Brick's spirits to get to be around all the, the folks that are planning on being there. So we hope everybody that listens to this show will support it. And, you know, one way or another, there's some GoFundMe, you know, type things on Facebook. If you can't go to the show, you know, perhaps you can help out that way. And, uh, you know, we'd appreciate it. And I know Brick House would appreciate it as well. So we also plan on, uh, we kind of talked about this today. We're, Plan on maybe doing an episode here in the next few weeks, uh, kind of covering Brickhouse's career. We're going to do, you know, I, I saw a lot of it myself, but we're going to do some research and uh, do some digging. And, and maybe when Neil's up there at that show, he might get a chance to pull Brick aside and at least record a short conversation with him for the episode and, and do a, a special tribute to Brickhouse episode here before long. So. Looking forward to doing that. Yeah. Uh, man, I don't know if everybody realizes, you know, I know I've talked to people where they were like, yeah, you know, Brick was big in Memphis, and he was, but, you know, Brick went to WWF, Mid-South, Continental, um, World Class out in Texas. You know, he did all the, the territories in uh, yeah, he... Mid-Atlantic, Portland. Uh, it, yeah. when you, if you go on the network and watch when Flair beat Harley Race for the title, Brick's one of the guys in there holding Rick Flair up on his shoulders. You know, he was he was working that territory then. So uh, he he was all over the place and and worked with with everybody and and did it all. And like I say, we you know we got to hear about a lot of that. And at the time, you know you know how wrestlers are, and you know you, you hear some of that and go, eh, did he really work there? I didn't know he had done that. And then. In all my tape trading in years since, uh, you know, I watched a lot of the old territory stuff, and there's a lot of it on YouTube. And uh, yeah, he did. He did every bit of that stuff. He told us so. Really cool. So anyway, uh, so we got that coming up, and uh, I don't have I don't have next week's guests confirmed. I've got some feelers out to a couple of different people, so we'll announce that during the week. Um, on who we're going to have next week. Uh, anything else you got before we take it home? Man, that's it. Just uh, localsthelegends.com. We'll try to start posting some more stuff there. I've had some technical issues on my end between uh, internet problems and then computer problems. And um, I know you've been busy, so uh, we'll start trying to get on that a little more and post some more crazy stuff up on uh localsthelegends.com but make sure to check that out and check out all our past episodes make sure subscribe on itunes if uh it's the easiest way to get the show you it downloads to to your um your ipad your iphone uh every week without you having to go in and do anything and it's absolutely free which is the best price in the world it's absolutely free so make sure to subscribe helps out a great deal there you go uh more you know more people are I guess hearing about the show and, and, you know, some of our guests are helping spread it around. Our, our Greg Anthony episode was uh, really heavily downloaded, and uh, I, I need to message him back about that because he'd asked me how the episode did. And at the time, I hadn't had the stats back yet, but uh, it did really well and got a lot of downloads. People are still listening to the Conrad Thompson episode and a few of the others. Uh, the Izzy Rotten episode is actually one of our highest downloaded episodes. Um, <laughs> probably second behind Conrad. Which I'm not gonna tell Easy that that'll give wow. me a big head, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, well, people are starting to discover know. the show and do what? Yeah, he, he may not know who Conrad is, so I don't know. We might be. <laughs> now that's true. Yeah, blow his, blow well, well, bless his heart. God knows he promoted the shit out of it. I mean, it was he was putting it on Facebook and social media like every 20 minutes that day, so. God bless him yeah. for that. And 
if you listen to the show and you like it, please share it on your, you know, on your Facebook or Twitter or uh, anywhere you can, because you know we would we'd like to build this thing up and keep getting new listeners and uh, keep adding sponsors and uh, maybe one day we could get popular enough that we could do a live locals to legends show somewhere at a wrestling show and uh, people would actually want to come. That would be interesting. That. Maybe that may be uh, hey, maybe. Uh, <laughs> Overextending ourselves, hey, but you know. Um, I was going to ask you this. I don't know if you saw any of the the anything on Twitter from the the something to wrestle with live podcast that they or well, it wasn't a podcast. The live show they did today where they had um, and, Nikolai and Bruce. Yeah, <laughs> Nikolai Volkov yes. singing with my baby tonight. <laughs> I can oh only my imagine. God. Oh. <laughs> It is such a shame they don't record those because can you imagine what uh, hearing Bruce sing the Russian national anthem this past week was pretty amazing, but uh, <laughs> only to be topped by Nikolai singing with my baby tonight. <laughs> and you, you got to give it up to those guys. You know, we we do our little podcast every week and we have fun, and I'm hoping people in this area are enjoying it. But man, I mean, those guys have have struck upon a, a just. I don't know. I don't. I don't know of any other podcast that you can say is as enjoyable as theirs. Because I mean, it's informative. You learn a lot of stuff, but it's funny, and then all the characters and the voices, and just, um, just well rounded and really, really well done. And I and I and I enjoy the Shivani one too. And I don't understand like the people who get on Twitter and hate on Conrad. And I've seen somebody post the other day to Shivani like, "Oh, you need another co-host." And then somebody was bitching on you know Bruce about. Oh, you need another host. I'm like, Conrad helps make the show. I mean, the guy, you know, was knowledgeable and, you know, funny. And, he did and he's not like, <laughs> yeah, well, literally and yeah, figuratively. I mean, but yeah, I mean, literally. He usually these co-hosts just suck up to the, the guy, you know, who the star and never call him out on anything, never question anything. And, of course, yeah, that's what Conrad did for Flair, but he's Rick Flair. But uh, the banter yeah. with him and and Shivani and Bruce helped make the show too. So um, I thoroughly enjoy it. And like I said, I, I you know I never try to compare what we do to them. It's 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 like us wrestling on the indies and and then you know comparing yourself to what goes on on WWE or whatever. It's, it's two different worlds. But I thoroughly enjoy it. I know a lot of people do. And if if we could just uh, you know strike a chord with a tenth of the or a hundredth of the people that that, that listen to that show uh we would really really be doing something <laughs> i know man selling t-shirts quicker than they can print the damn things uh, Did, uh so, yeah that's another yeah, i guess that's another thing we can strive for if we can ever start coming up with t-shirts that anybody buys that would be amazing <laughs> yeah and really. i still say Did the I, day uh, it happens the very first one is going to be uh <laughs> cheese sticks hashtag cheese sticks and gambling <laughs> <laughs> and I know we'll sell one because I'll buy the damn thing. We'll probably sell two because Whit will buy one too, my brother. So <laughs> if we can get you to commit to three, that might be worth getting the printer to set that up. So. Hey, if we can, uh, if we can, uh, maybe we can get a get uh, Mister Sensational to call you if you buy one. Could you oh imagine? My God. Is that really a prize? You can't get him off the damn phone. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Mister Sensational oh, will call you during TNA. <laughs> Did I tell you that uh, 
I don't. Oh my God! And convince you, and try to convince you of what how wonderful TNA is. Did uh, Did I tell you? They should that, pay him. Um, yeah, I, I ordered one of those WHW Unblocked T-shirts uh, from Pro Wrestling oh, yeah? Tees, and it finally, yeah, last Sunday night, uh, or not? Yeah, it was last Sunday night. I was uh, actually over at Leslie's apartment. And uh, Leslie, uh, and of course, ever, anybody that's heard this thing and heard Leslie on it knows how crazy Leslie is. Leslie found a new documentary uh, that was two hours long about how the possibility of Elvis still being alive and is in the CIA and has been in the witness relocation program for the last 30 years. So he oh just, I, he had, he, he, I had to watch that thing. So literally, I'm sitting over his apartment, and we're we're watching this thing, and I'm just sitting there like, and and he's sitting over there like, I mean, he's fully engaged. I mean, he honestly believes that this is a, it's not a movie, it is a documentary based on actual facts. And we're sitting there, and my phone rings, and my phone rings, and I'm like, who called? He was calling me, because most people know they text me, they don't ever call. So I look in his right. number, and I thought. Hey, I bought that T-shirt, so I answered the phone and put it on speakerphone, and sure enough, it's Tony Schiavone. <laughs> and Holy I'm shit! Leslie's house. And uh, and uh, anyway, we start talking. Leslie tries to hijack my phone call. He's <laughs> hollering in the background. <laughs> and, oh my uh, god! <laughs> Tony's like, "What the hell are y'all doing over there?" And I said, "I said that's my buddy Leslie." I said, "He he still thinks Elvis is still alive, and we're, he drugged me over here to watch this documentary." <laughs> and Tony said, "Well, you know what you call that, don't you?" I said, "What's that?" He said, "Bullshit TV." He said, "Your buddy is <laughs> drug you into some bullshit TV." But uh, anyway, we please uh, tell me he called Leslie a slap dick. <laughs> no, he didn't call Leslie a slap dick. God, I oh, wish he would have, but. Uh, but you know the phone calls that they do, and and uh, my sister bought me a, uh, a t-shirt from Bruce Pritchard back at Christmas, and my sister, uh, Bruce actually called my sister. My sister didn't have any idea who Bruce, Bruce Pritchard was till after the fact. But the uh, you know he stayed on the phone for like ten or fifteen minutes just talking, and of course we talked about the uncensored pay-per-views that were filmed over here in Tupelo, and uh, he actually said that he still comes to Tupelo pretty often because the um, the team that he does the sports casting for plays Ole Miss, and the closest hotels that they can get to Oxford are here in Tupelo. So he still he still oh, yeah. comes to Tupelo pretty regular, yeah. So, uh, but it was actually a pretty decent little, pretty neat little phone call to sit and have, even though I'm trying to tell Leslie to shut up in the background, so <laughs> we can get some well, cool. any kind of meat out of this phone call. So. But yeah, it was really it was uh, it was pretty cool. I'm gonna have yeah, to buy, we, uh, buy one from each of them so I can get the phone call. Rosie swears she'll buy me a Bruce Pitchard shirt if he promised to call her as Jim Cornette. <laughs> Cut her out. <laughs> That's uh, her favorite part yeah. of the one she's listened to. She loves him. I, I showed her that video of the George the Rat thing, and she she loved that. Oh yeah, the uh, I bought a uh, I bought the Dennis Stamp t-shirt too uh, about three days after he died so but i'm not expecting a phone call <laughs> well that's unfortunate because i'm sure that would have been an interesting phone call he'd have hit you up for some bookings probably <laughs> how far are you anyway. from boonville <laughs> i'm not booked 
Uh, matter of fact, so when you dropped that belt to Super Brown, did you did you call him the N word like Kevin? No. <laughs> oh my gosh. It ain't I an interview with Kevin Brennan if the N-word don't get dropped at least once. He just messaged me while we were talking asked me, can I edit it out? I said, oh, no, we're leaving that in, sir. That's, uh, that's <laughs> no, we're staying. live, brother. It's like, <laughs> that's I right. can see it. We're live. <laughs> Hell, yeah. I, I heard uh, I was I was like, surely he's not going to do that tonight. And then when he goes, well, the black guy, I'm like, oh, shit. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Strap yeah. in, brother. <laughs> Yeah, and then I heard some shit joke, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, that could have got a lot worse. But anyway, we're still on the air, so we'll wrap this up. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we'll be announcing sometime during the week via Facebook and Twitter who next week's guest is. And if you have a suggestion for somebody you'd like to hear on the show or if you're a wrestler or related to wrestling, <laughs> and you would like to be on the show, contact us and uh maybe we can maybe we can work you in. Who knows? Uh we're always game for, for new guests and new stories to tell. So hit us up on Facebook, go to localstelegends.com, as Neil said. We will certainly try to post more things there. And very quickly, god damn it, I almost missed it, Neil. Uh this is a short one, so we can squeeze it in. We almost forgot the bad promo of the week. Do you know how many cards and letters and hate mail we would have got if we hadn't have done the bad well, promo. Well, I know what happened We kind of did. We kind of did, yeah. but anyway. So here we go. This week's bad promo of the week. This is from a guy who calls himself the Patriot, but I don't think it's Dale Wilkes. Let's see. Hello, AWS fans. My name is Andrew Jones, and I'm new, and I'm right here with the Patriot. How you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty good today. How about you, Andrew? Absolutely great. Absolutely great. Now, your first match was in the main event of the last show, and you faced the TWO. Give me your thoughts. I think them clowns ain't nothing but a joke in the AWF. How long have they been wrestling here? I don't know. I don't know. Well, man, we need to end these clowns' streak, end all their careers and everything. We need to get them out of the ring for good. They're nothing but a joke. This giggles they got, what is he? He is nothing in the AWF. Now, the CWO has been running rampant for years in the AWF. How do you exactly plan to end this long streak that they've had? Well, see, I'm keeping that up here. We'll find out August 16th in Loosedale, Mississippi, how I'm going to end their rant. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Thank you. <laughs> August the 16th. The he started sounding a little familiar there. Oh, boy. <laughs> Sounds like a video I sent you. Had his first match. At his first match at the last show, I'm pretty sure he had a belt over his shoulder in that video, if I remember correctly. So he won a belt in the first <laughs> match. But uh, how long well, have you guys been here? I, I don't know, honestly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that one was on the fly. That, that wasn't one of those scripted promos everybody's bitching about all the time. That, and that's then that friends is, is probably why we have scripted promos because of that that right there. Uh, we don't need that <laughs> happening Monday nights on USA. So. This anyway, well, all right, Neil. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> let's uh, let's do this again next Sunday night. What do you say? To get Man, the if technology and electricity and good Lord willing, we will. Uh, but we've <laughs> seemed to have a lot working against us recently, so who knows? But all right. So for Neil Taylor, I'm Gene Jackson, and for Kevin Brennan, 
Thank you for listening to another episode of Locals to Legends Wrestling Radio. And we're going to leave you tonight with a strange song I found on YouTube. It is from WCW in 1989. It's a theme song you'll probably recognize from WCW Saturday Night, but at one point it actually had lyrics that they never used. This is labeled WCW 89 Unused Theme, and you'll probably quickly realize why this was never used. It wasn't that great. So here we go. See you next week.